we are live. Now we are live for a new episode of the LJ Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. I hope you are, because uh, I, always, I always say that, but this one, I mean it. This is a big one. We have a lot of pieces of news to discuss this week. Uh, a little bit about Tesla, but not too much. We're going to go deeper into the whole Rivian pricing fiasco from earlier this week. Uh, Ford's big break and uh and of this ev business and also bi-directional charger being unveiled all, all the cool stuff so let's jump right in uh we'll start with uh the big news today actually is the um uh the environmental well actually we should say conditional environmental approval of gigafactory berlin the, the start of production there's been talks about that all week uh beginning of the week there was this rumor that it's going to happen Thursday or Friday. Then earlier this week, Endelsblatt's are confirmed that it's done. The approval has been made. It's just going to be made official on Friday. And today, there was a whole press conference about it, a giant press release to explain the entire situation. But they, they tried to temper things off earlier this week with those reports because they say like even though like because this has been sold for months and months now as the like last piece of regulatory approval needed in order to start production at Gigafactory Berlin, um, it, it looks like it's still true. But again, because it's conditional, they have to fulfill those conditions in order for it to happen. So it was made official. Tesla has received uh, its full building building permit, even though it had. <laughs> it's been built, it's been boiling for for a long time, but they've been building the uh, factory through step by step approval in, in order not just to be sitting on the space line for too long. They they did a ton of work, stay on schedule, but at the end of the day, once you put the factory in operation, you need the official building permit, and the environmental approval was the last step to make that happen. They received that, but. It comes with about 400 conditions that this needs to fulfill in order for the final approval to be official. And just to put perspective on this whole thing, like this, this was a massive endeavor. Like we've been talking about, like what what's happening? Like what's the what's happening with the German bureaucracy? Why is it being so long? The entire thing. With the application documents, the experts' opinions, the statement, everything, it's 23,000 pages that is part of this, this review here. So this is quite massive. But the good news is German officials are saying that Tesla should be able to fulfill all those conditions within the next two weeks. So technically, within the next two weeks, it would mean... Um, sometimes by the end of the month, Tesla could officially start production. And again, when we say officially start production, we've been seeing a tons, like hundreds of Model Ys coming out of the factory already. It's just that it's it's all test vehicle. It's not actual vehicles for customer delivery because of that approval needed. So that that should could should happen by the end of the month. But there's a, there's a bunch of condition that don't really seem to work on that timeline. I noted this this one here that. Uh, <laughs> and this is has been part of what has been delaying the whole process a few times, where for the environmental approval they have to put the um, the, the project up for public comments and uh, especially objection to the projects, and then the government has to listen to those objections and uh, act upon them. There, that ha- happened a few times because Tesla had to reapply. And so the, the process already been made like two or three times. And now with the final approval, it, it's, it sounds like it's been made again. They say that uh, uh, they're going to have to publish a notice of approval with uh, four to weeks. So imminently they're going to post that. Then it's going to be available in the local daily newspaper for two weeks so that the locals know about it. And then after that, there's a one-month period for objections to the project. And then I would assume that if there are objections, which there always are some objections, they would have to review that, and that would be like even longer than than this minimum of six weeks we're talking about here. But the, it's it sounds like whatever would come out of that cannot stop the project, so they're not counting that into the uh, conditions that would need to be fulfilled, apparently. 
because otherwise the two weeks timeline would would not work whatsoever. So I don't, I'm not so sure what's happening on that front. But if all goes well, by the end of the month, Tesla should officially start production at the FIT Berlin. The document reveals a few interesting things, but we we knew most of that for the for the most part. Uh, production of 500,000 cars uh, annually. That's uh, what Tesla is approved for. So this we we know that. Uh, Tesla has greater ambitions than that with Gigafactory Berlin. It's a giant factory. It's a giant piece of land. So Model Y, and I would actually we cannot do just Model Y with 500,000 cars. Probably Model Y and Model 3. Um, but eventually, Tesla would likely want to uh, increase production there. And they would have to apply again for, for, for different approval at that point because all the requirements, especially the water supply, has been a big concern. Uh, all these things increase once you increase production. But there's also, this has been approved for battery cell production there. So this is already done. Uh, even though production is not, uh, hasn't really ramped up, hasn't really started there, they, they are approved for that. So they won't, go, won't have to go through this entire process again just to. Uh, add battery cell production, which is a big deal for them because, uh, as we previously reported, they, they plan to start production in the factory. Well, they, again, they already started started production uh, with 2170 cells in the Model Y instead of the 4680 that you f- will find in the new Model Ys being produced in Texas. Um, so the fact that they are approved for battery cell production there uh, should help them make that transition maybe a little bit sooner. Uh, it's not clear why. Uh, hopefully, by, by the end of the year, Tesla is interested in the 4680 in Berlin, too. Uh, it revealed also that uh, Tesla has already hired about 3,000 workers at the plant, but they, they've been talking about 12,000. So it's still a long way to go. And uh, that, that, that probably is the toughest part of them all uh, with, with those giant projects like that when you're literally hiring a, a, like a decent-sized town worth of people <laughs> to work at a factory and you have to attract the best talent there it's, it must it must be a nightmare of a of a challenge are, are tesla's uh employees in germany uh, line workers are they unionized or well ig metal has been talking about it they, they they've been uh they've set up a local uh um organizers and, and things like that i don't think anything has been made official yet i don't think there's been a vote yet on that front uh so for now it's a no but uh, things are in motions for sure. Like the IG made it clear that they uh, they want their hand in that factory, right? And and we know unions are much stronger in Germany than they are in the U.S. So yes, and they are different. They're not seen the same way too. And uh, and there's two things. There's the, the unions, and then there's the workers' consoles that big companies like that have. Right. Uh, so the, those. Uh, I I. I I'm not an expert, so don't quote me on that, but I think they work separately, independently of each other. But uh, of course, they, they technically, they would have the same goals in mind, which is the uh, good of the workers, I would assume. Right. <laughs> we know that, especially our experience here with unions in North America, it's not always the case, but um, sometimes it's to fill your pockets. Um, all right, uh, now we go back to the U.S., where we still have some issues with direct sales laws. It, it, it's quite maddening. We discussed uh, it last week with uh, what happened in Oklahoma and Mississippi. And uh, the, the the bill that was introduced in Oklahoma this week, we uh, learned that it passed the committee. So it's going to, uh, uh, it should go to a vote uh, on the House floor. But the good news is you, you still have time to reach out to your representative and, and, and try to stop it. And th- this is one of the worst uh, in- instances of uh, direct sales law being applied to uh, try to slow down Tesla and other companies that uh, want to use the direct sale models and don't have franchise dealership because it's not only about direct sales. It's also about services. It's, it's about the I mean, it's not exactly clear. And apparently, the uh, state legislature is talking to Tesla about it, so they might change the language here a little bit because there is how these laws are written and and passed, and then there's how they are implemented. And, of course, Tesla sees a language, and they see that a language could be used for to to have them shut even not even just not, not open new stores in Oklahoma, but shut down existing stores and not only shut down existing stores, but even st- shut down their service center. So the existing owners that have been used to having local service, which you know any Tesla owners know that's a big part of why you would buy the car in the first place. Like you need 
access to the supercharger network in your region. You need service not too far from you. Uh, of course, there's always the mobile um, charge, the, the mobile technicians, but they cannot do everything. So, um, where was it going with? It? Yeah, uh, this this bill would actually. Could, again, the language could be used to shut down Tesla's existing service centers, too, which is quite uh, extreme. Uh, we know that uh, a few other states have tried that before. Uh, if you check, uh, surprisingly, to, unanimously has been passed uh, in the House Business and Commerce Committee, so no one objected to to it. Uh, but again, this is just mostly for like the validation of like it as a bill, and then once it hits the House, it's going to have to... Uh, uh, most likely going to face a little bit more objection, hopefully. Um, and something interesting to note, the sponsor of the bill, Mr. Mike Dobrinsky, uh, ha- just happens to have been in the car dealership industry for uh, forever, for decades, Shocker. really. He owned, uh, I, think, I, don't, I think they sold the group recently, but uh, they owned a bunch of uh, Chevy dealerships. The family, the, himself and the family, his family. So yeah, you can uh, you can reach out to your if you're in Oklahoma, you can reach out to your representative and tell them that that's a that's a dumb way to uh, apply free trade principles that are so dear to to the people in that region too. Normally, also it's also weird within the context of <laughs> just a few years ago. The, uh, ago, Oklahoma was like rolling down the the red carpet <laughs> for for Tesla, and now it's just. You won't even service their car in your country if you, with that that bill uh, in the in that state of that bill pass. Yeah, and I I, I think uh, Nikkei said that Panasonic is considering a, a another battery factory uh, in Oklahoma or Kansas. So yeah, that was the next news we're getting to pretty soon. Uh, the the news is like like you said a report from Nikkei. Uh, it's not Nikkei actually. It's another one. Um, I always confuse those two. Uh, NHK, so one of the big uh, broadcaster in the in Japan, they uh, they are reporting that uh, Panasonic is actually looking to purchase land in the United States for a mega factory to produce electric vehicle batteries for Tesla. And like you said, Oklahoma is apparently one of the two states in the running right now, uh, along with Kansas. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I noted also in my article like they have uh, Canoe uh, just confirmed that they uh, they went with uh, Oklahoma for their factory. Uh, it's not a big factory like they're doing this whole like a micro factory thing uh, but still a decent sized factory and the the states is giving them 15 million dollars and i'm pretty sure canoe is going with the direct sell model too so probably won't be happy about that but at the same time would that prevent them from taking that deal and going to oklahoma probably not because they didn't prevent tesla to go to texas and right (laughs) it it, Texas, it's not as harsh of a direct sell ban but it's still one so um yeah, I don't see yeah, I mean, do we know if the cars coming off the line at the Gigafactory Texas have to leave the state and come back? I don't know if they have to physically leave the state. I think it's more they have to get registered in California or something and then and then uh deliver they can be delivered to the to the state. Something like that. I, 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 it would be maddening if they actually have to physically exit the state and come back. Yeah, um, that'd be crazy. There'd just be like trucks doing circles from like the nearest state i guess they'd probably go to louisiana or something <clears throat> yeah that's still like uh austin is pretty central to uh to texas like yeah it's, uh, no good way i i cannot imagine tesla couldn't find a loophole around at least that right uh because uh that's just crazy inefficiencies uh all right uh, going back to the union uh elon said that uh, it would welcome he's actually pretty much calling for uh, Tesla employees in California, and I assume specifically like Fremont, which has been subject to uh, attempts at the unionization from the United Auto Workers, to actually go and uh, do a vote on uh, unionization, because uh, uh, he's uh, very confident that the employees will vote it down. Now, the whole thing... <laughs> Well, as it's often the case with Elon, just sounds weird because he he's like, we will come a vote from like you know, to workers, like they should come and vote, and we will do nothing to stop it. Uh, good, as you're required by the law, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, exactly. Is, like it's not we will not break the law. Yeah, but of course, of course, like this 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 part of uh, Tesla has been accused of uh, doing things that are 
illegal that violates uh, labor laws, uh, according to National uh, Labor Relations Boards. Uh, especially, I think what what the uh, what they didn't like is when he he said that why would they want like it, that he implied that if they do unionize and he, he kind of did it again uh, with with <laughs> with this with this announcement this week he kind of implied that if they do unionize they won't get stock option anymore like he said like well, you're one or the other you're in a, you're why is a shareholder that? or you're a union union employee. Why can't why can't a union employee get uh, you know stock benefits? That's a very good question. I mean, because I, I feel I, I my understanding is that okay. So if you if you come from that standpoint, like, like that, you don't want your unionized employees to have stock option. Is that is that right away you are establishing that it is an adversarial role. So the shareholders of the companies are against the union. You cannot be both. You can be a union and a shareholder of the, of, the, of the company that you're working as a union worker for. That's what you're establishing. Now, right. why would you need that to be the case? I don't know. Um, no, I really don't know. Yeah, it just seems weird that uh, their test or Elon is drawing that line preemptively. Mm-hmm. Like, if you decide to unionize, no more, no more stock options. It seems kind of not a threat, but like, I don't know. It doesn't seem totally above board. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like he does, he doesn't want to have to deal with the union. I understand from a business owner standpoint, that's got to be like, you know, extra drama to deal with. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, going back to Panasonic real quick, uh, there was two pieces of news this week. There was the new factory in the U.S., but also Panasonic officially announced that they plan to start uh, Tesla 4680 battery cell production uh, by March 2024. Now, that sounds quite far uh, in the future, but it's uh, it, because Panasonic and, and Japan, the, they're using a financial year that ends in March. So the the only thing that... So it's been a rumor for a while that they were going to deploy production capacity for 4680 cells, but now it was officially announced that the announcement just said in the fiscal year ending in March 2024. So it can be anything from March uh, 2023 to uh, March 2024. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's going to be in Japan. Uh, so unrelated to the news that we just discussed, it's two new production line at their factory. At their Do you think this all before uh, Tesla's or will uh, Panasonic sell this to other. I mean, technically, there's no like patent on the actual 4680 cell format. I, yeah, assume, I assume that Tesla has some proprietary uh, chemistries and, and, and things that are going to be in those cell. So probably not those exact cell. But my understanding right now is like every, anyone that's doing those kind of deals, Tesla is like, oh, we'll buy everything you got. Like <laughs> just it's Tesla. At the end of the day, even if they cannot produce the cars because of like supply chain issues or whatever they can still use the cells like they can make well i mean i'm, I'm sure there's some electronics too that can be as re- constrained by supply chain issues but in the mega packs and the the, the power walls and, and all that stuff like those those products are also super back ordered so you uh you you could use the cells anyway uh, but yeah the um and the, the now the new factory that doesn't have a timeline uh for for production i think uh, according to the report yet it's still too early because they're looking at the uh, the piece of land. But the goal is to, again, with Oklahoma, Kansas, is to be relatively close to Texas. Uh, so it's going to supply Tesla with, with, with Tesla Gigafactory Texas with uh, battery cell 4680. Uh, it's going to be further out in the future for, for sure. Like this, if they have to build out a brand new factory for it. Uh, Tesla also is planning to build its own 4680 cells at Gigafactory Texas at the last running calls. Um, Drew Baglino, the who's in charge of the battery programs at Tesla, uh, amongst many other things, said that they've been making progress in starting production of 4680 cell uh, in Texas. So that will be mostly for Model Y production and maybe Model 3 whenever that comes at the factory. But when you have Cybertruck being produced at the factory, we have Tesla Semi being produced in volume at the factory, the demand for, for battery cells is going to be humongous, especially since the Cybertruck program and the the SMI programs are much more cell heavy. Like they require a lot more cells per units. Uh, 
uh, of course, this is semi more than anything else. But the Cybertruck too, like Cybertruck, if uh, Tesla, Elon want to stick to their early promise, which of course it's not confirmed since they, they removed the specs from their website. But uh, there's going to be at least probably like a 200 kilowatt pack option at one point in, in those cars. So that's twice where the Mole S is now and uh, like four times with the uh, Mole 3, uh, some of the backs in Mole 3, Mole Y. So this is a, this is a big deal and they're going to need a ton of sales not just from local production, but for uh, suppliers too. All right, let's talk about Rivian now because that was a, a big news this what week. What a week. Yes, uh, roller coaster of emotions for uh, Rivian reservation holders. So there was this announcement this week that was made um, by Rivian, and it was it was poorly communicated uh, to the public in an email, and then you have to go through the configurators to, to, to really get a good idea. They, they kind of sold it as, a, oh, we're giving you a new motor option, a new dual motor option. We give you a new smaller battery option and all that, which we all knew was coming anyway. They just like right. allow you to configure it now. and But it, it, they allow you to configure it, but it's coming in 2023 and 2024. So no one cares about it anyway. Uh, but that came with also a complete re-arranging of the prices uh, that uh, increased the price significantly. Uh, specifically, increase the price of the quad motor powertrain, which again is now is the, is the only one you can get right now. So it increased the price of any car you want to get at uh, relatively near future, and increase the the price of the large battery pack, which is the second to biggest battery pack, and again the one that's being produced right now. So if you want. I mean, saying the near future is, is also, it's, it's not exactly relative. Correct. Yeah, it's yeah. relative because if you place an order right now, it would still be, uh, way, and if you had an order a year ago, it could still be <laughs> uh, way out of the future. That depends on the uh, Rivian's production ramp up. But for the most part, so the $6,000 increase on the large battery pack, $6,000 increase on the quad motor, it's a, for most, most people, it was a $12,000 net increase in uh, their their cost of, uh, of their order and then there's a bunch of other options that got significant price increases too all the way down to that kitchen thing that <laughs> that yeah. the camper kitchen that uh, uh is all the rage which was already super expensive at like five thousand dollars now it's like seven thousand dollars something like that um, 6500 yeah yeah so the original price well it's not original it was updated uh, at some point but uh, the base price of sixty seven thousand five hundred. That is still correct with that update. It's still uh, it, it, it's it's can still be achieved, but it can only be achieved through choosing the Explorer version and choosing the uh, standard battery pack option. And those two combined, they won't come until twenty twenty four. So this uh, don't hold your breath to get a sixty seven thousand uh, dollar Rivian R one T. And everything I'm saying also mostly apply to R1S, so different changes, some some, some uh, uh, caveats to that, but uh, for the most part, the same powertrain options are there. Uh, but yeah, so everything closer, at least 12000 and a lot of people was $15,000. i have seen a few get $20,000 uh, increase in, in price. Uh, myself, uh, uh, on my reservation, which my reservation dates like three years ago now or something like that, uh, I had an estimated price of seventy six thousand five hundred, and it went up to eighty nine thousand five hundred with with that uh, increase. So, it really uh, makes you question if you want to go through with it. But technically, uh, like Riven are they, they are within their rights to do that. Like it literally right. right there within on my summary for my reservation, it says that options, specs, and pricing may change as we approach production. Well, they already started production, so maybe a lawyer, a fancy lawyer, could actually argue against that. Uh, but but yeah. I assume they meant production of my specific uh, vehicle. But yeah, the uh, the blame uh, the blame the, uh, the everything that uh, everyone is blaming on right now: inflation, inflation, cost right. and components, uh, uh, supply chain shortages, uh, delays for parts. Including. Which there's probably truth behind. Like prices are certainly going up. Things are certainly harder to find. They have to, you know, go get different things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but. for sure, for sure. See, there's no doubt about that. But there's a few red flags in there that people are like, "Oh, this, this, this." I don't, I don't like the way they handled that because, first off, those prices are back uh, 2019. I, I think they were they were announced. 
uh, right after the, the, the 2018, really. Well, 2018, but then they were updated in 2019 when Tesla Cyber Cybertruck, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's they, right. They, 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 were, they were updated at that point. Uh, so they've been around for a while. Those prices. Yes, they've been a lot of inflation, a lot of changes. That that a lot of a lot of things has changed <laughs> since 2019. But they waited until now to update the pricing. So they didn't gradually increase the pricing and like that. Now, what changed now? Well, two things that are upsetting is that uh, w- what changed now is that mm, they they are trying to ramp up production and they most likely are try- having some issues doing that, which was to be expected. But they're like, oh, we don't see us achieving a positive gross margin on these cars anytime soon unless we significantly increase the price. And so that's what they did and they passed the cost to the customers. So that's one. Uh, the second one too is that they did a major blitz to get reservation uh, late last year. Uh, I mean, we were a part of that. Like we we did the review and we we raved over it because it's the art, great cars. Those R one S, R one T, amazing. Uh, yeah. So uh, they did the big blitz of inviting all the press and uh, testing the vehicles and all that, and that boosted the reservation like crazy uh, with pricing. That if Really, inflation was the problem, and really the the, the cost and the supply chain issues. Uh, they had to already know about that at that point, right. uh, so they should have updated the price before taking those orders at those prices. Right. Um, so that's what happened. And then what happened after this? When, when was this uh, price increase? That was uh, March first, so that was three days ago. Uh, the next day, we started like taking a pulse of uh, the uh, reservation. The uh, base, the the original older base of for for Rivian. Uh, we saw a bunch of polls on the forums. Uh, ourselves, we were talking. Oh, we're gonna have to cancel order. Doesn't make much sense. Uh, there was this poll here out of three thousand people. Seventeen hundred said that they were gonna cancel. We did our own poll. I can check the result again. Seventy percent. I love uh, fifteen, almost fifteen hundred uh, responded. Seventy percent said they were gonna cancel it. 18% said they were still undecided and uh, only 11 were thinking were sure about uh, keeping it or maybe modifying it because I, I put those two together because I, so I saw a lot of people were thinking I'll just change my order uh, to something that's a little bit cheaper but then you're going to have to wait forever. Forever is an exaggeration. Yeah, but, so vast majority of people were going to cancel it and I'm sure Rivian saw those numbers behind the scenes and they were like, uh oh. And, and, you know, RJ, it sounds like, was talking to some customers, mm-hmm. probably talking to some of his employees who were like, this is a bad idea. Here's the thing, though. They had to see that coming. Like, I, yeah. I, it, it, would be, it would be madness if they didn't see that coming. Right. Uh, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah. People were like, oh, so, I get it. So, my own thinking, and I think I wrote that in the electric take here, is that, like, this is obvious. They, they see that thinking is just, it's just again going back to the gross margin. Like they don't see that uh, them achieving positive gross margin anytime soon if they don't increase price. So what they're betting on is like, look, we're gonna increase those prices. It's gonna allow us to start delivering cars, even if just ten percent of our seventy thousand people keep their orders. That that's still seven thousand orders, which is probably more vehicles that Rivian's going to deliver this year or like for the most for for a big part of this year I think right so we can do that we we can deliver those cars with like a slight gross positive gross margin on them which is going to look good for us it's going to help our, our financials a lot and then that's going to bring us further along into higher volume production which is going to reduce costs which is going to enable us to also make the lower price uh, version of the R1T and R1S, and which in turn is going to bring more order in at those prices. Right. So that that makes sense to me. But again, that I'm not taking into account the one part which I think motivated more than anything the, the change uh, that you just mentioned that with uh, based on the letter that uh, CUR just currently has sent to the, the fan base. I think they didn't see the... Uh, PR backlash of it, right. like the 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 community turn on them fast. Like you could go anywhere. Like the there's a big uh, subreddit Rivian uh, community uh, on Twitter, of course, uh, social media. They have, they have a pretty active forums, a few forums of uh, Rivian fans that are active, and it was almost unanimous 
that yeah. the move, even some people were like, I don't keep in my order, but I just don't like that he did that. That That's how they treated their customers. And uh, in, to, to give credit to RJ, the, the, he took the feedback. Uh, he apologized. He said he, he listed clearly the mistake that they've made into uh, the, the, the way that they thought that by communic- the way they communicated this announcement right. with the dual motor, the standard battery pack, you thought like, oh, like this, these are the lower price option, but further in the future, like the, the, he said something which I think is at the core of the, of the issue where he didn't anticipate reservation holder thinking that placing the reservation would lock in the price for them. Right. And, and, it, and it didn't. Like they, they made a note to say yeah. that he expected price. But I think, you know, as a reservation holder, we're both reservation holders. I think we were thinking like, oh, something might cost, you know, 5% more or 5% less or whatever. Um, you know. 20% is different. Yeah. Going up 12000 to some people, mm-hmm. 20000 more uh, dollars extra. It's a lot of money. It's like uh, that's $20,000 you thought you had that you now don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a pain, or, you know, kind of a. A, not a great feeling. Um, well, yeah. The uh, to their credit, they reversed it. Uh, the well, they reversed the, the, all the price increase, the change the configurators and everything that I just mentioned are still in place. But now, so the update was made March first. So if you had an order in March first, before March first, you're good. You should get the original price that you were promised. If you canceled your order. And you want it back, and you can. Uh, good luck, though. I'm pretty sure that process is going to be fun. Uh, just customer service and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I ended up not canceling it. I was like, for some reason, I said, I'll wait a few days, see what happens. And Same. Yeah. I, I got lucky. So I still have mine. But if I go to my configurator right now, I still get the increase 89000 uh, price instead of the 76 so they still haven't updated that so giving back people's order that they cancel uh, i think it's gonna be harder and that kind of refutes our like uh tinfoil hat like all right was this all mm-hmm. staged to get people mm-hmm. you know to get some attention and to get people to think oh i'm getting a great deal on on this vehicle and and maybe convert more orders uh, you know i don't think that's the case uh but we're always wondering yeah i mean th- but Undoubtedly, though, it's gonna increase the take rate because even even though uh, people were canceling, like some of the people that were canceling were gonna cancel anyway. Right. Like the the it was a thousand dollar deposit, so it's a good show of interest. Like you're into it, but it's a refundable deposit; you can get it back. There's more options on the market than there were back when. Uh, well, on the market, like that are gonna be available. It's not necessarily uh, you can get your hands on it just yet, but. It, there's always going to be some people that were going to cancel anyway. Uh, those people now might think again, knowing that they're getting a car that someone placed a new order on right now would have to pay twelve, fifteen thousand dollars more. That factor isn't into the resale value, which right now anyway is super high for used vehicle. So maybe you buy it, you use it for a year, and you sell it for the same price that you uh, um, that you bought it for. You get a free truck for a year or something like that. I don't know. I'm just yeah. Just thinking. Yeah, that. and you know, for the Tesla fans who have Cybertrucks on order mm-hmm. that are, you know, yeah. la- laughing at Rivian, uh, there's going to be some bad news for you as well. Like, I, I if you think you're getting a forty thousand dollars Cybertruck, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I at this point, I think you should already lose your delusion of any uh, like Tesla respecting the price. They literally, literally removed them from their website. So, <laughs> at this point. Uh, it's clear that the, you're not the only one doing that. Uh, and Tesla has done similar things in the past too, where they would, uh, and not exactly the same, but often Tesla would launch a new car with uh, tr- a, a trim that was an attractive low price and then remove that. They did that with the Model S, with the, uh, what was it called? The Model uh, is it, not the 60. The, what was your Model S that you bought? S40. The 40, exactly. Yeah. So that was the 40 that was canceled rather quickly. Um, there was, well, it never really existed. They just did the 60 and then they software sold locked. Yeah. Yeah. Software locked that 20 um, kilowatt hour to sell it. That's the Model S 40. Then uh, the Model 3, of uh, course, and famous $35,000 price point was always a little bit weird with uh, it didn't last 
but a few weeks before it was put in, on the off the menu and then later on was killed completely so uh it's uh it's it's not driven is not alone in that uh those shenanigans with pricings right all right let's move to rivian shareholder ford you see i find a segue every time good one yeah uh they had this announcement this week that uh it's been rumored for a little bit uh but it, it wasn't clear what kind of form it would take but there was there was a bunch of discussion of uh ford splitting its business into electric vehicle business and internal combustion business there was even talk like a full split like even like a different stock ticker and and, and all that um that would have been very complicated. And then, okay, two different brands, like two different dealership network or whatever. What they settle in is this uh, two internal division at Ford, Ford Model E division uh, that will delight customers with truly incredible electric and connected vehicles and services and build the futures as Ford's center of innovation and growth. And then you have Ford Blue division. Inspire customer to pursue their dreams and passions in life with iconic Ford vehicles and experience and serve as the engine. Oh, probably, Unintended, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, that supports and power Ford's future. That That's well phrased, though. The engine that supports and powers Ford's future. Because it's like, all right. We got to make the, some money in the next couple of years. Yes, our Ford Bowl E division is definitely the future. This one just exists to finance that one. <laughs> it must be weird to be in that group knowing yeah. that you're just going to wind it down. Yeah, you know, you know, like the guy that was made the president of Ford Blue uh, uh, this week was like, I ah, this is a you know a dying job." But uh, yeah, so it's it's more it's an internal division of uh, the business unit so that they can operate completely separately and. Uh, when it makes sense, there's going to be some synergy, some sh- sharing of resources, of course. But for the most part, uh, they're going to operate as completely independent businesses. And Ford wasn't hiding that they're going to they do that to be able to better compete with, uh, they say, with both new EV competitor and established automakers. Uh, of course, Tesla has always been the, one of the Tesla's advantage has always been seen as an advantage, at least, was its ability to move quicker, move more like a startup, like it. Like right now, really, like all legacy automakers are dragging a gas board car business into the an electric future that they all say they believe in and everything, but they all have to take into account that all their profits right now are coming from gas guzzling vehicles. That um, that that's their bread and butter right now. Uh, so F- Ford figures that this divisions, uh, this division within the company is going to be a better way to handle that. Um, that's going to come with a lot more investment. They're talking about uh, 20 more billion dollars invested into electric vehicles over the next 10 years, a decent amount. Um, they're still talking about the goal of more, well, now more than 2 million EVs by 2026. Uh, annual production, I should say, of uh, 2 million EVs by 2026, which is a massive ramp up compared to what they're doing now and that's only over like a four or five years period so that's uh that's good but they're sticking with their plan to we expect evs to represent half of global volume by 2030 which we've discussed in the past whether they really believe that or not if like if they have to say that for the our friends at ford blue division (laughs) but uh it's uh we obviously don't believe that uh, that's a smart way to approach things because uh you won't have a tough time to to sell those fifty percent of your cars if uh, only fifty uh, of them are are, are uh, electric. Fifty percent are electric. Uh, Doc Field, our old friend Doc Field, that gave you give what, what, what gave you a Model Three test drive, did you, Doc? No, it was the no? D. The, oh yeah, uh, yeah, the Jewel, uh, the Jewel Model yeah. Model S. Uh, so Doc Field was uh, one of the. Uh, engineering executive at tesla for for quite some years uh he worked at ford before that actually so he came he went if if i remember correctly right now just on top of my head he went from ford to apple apple to tesla tesla to apple and apple to ford and i think he was also at segway for a little bit yes that's right there might be segway in between ford and tesla or the other way around i'm not so sure he's been around yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which is good and bad because yeah. you know it's good because he knows a lot of people mm. and, and has a lot of varied experience. Bad because like obviously he's not married to your company. Yeah. At any one point, although he did sound very uh, content with his new role there. Yeah, 
and it, so while speaking of his new role, yeah, he's, uh, he's been made, made lead of foreign model East product creation as chief EV and digital system officer. So kind of a new, uh, a new CSU kind of thing. Um, and for, for we, we, they also hired a new guy, uh, Marin, because by the way, Phil was, has been at Ford for a year or two now. Uh, he, he left uh, Apple a, a little while ago. Yep. Um, but they hired uh, this uh, brand new guy at Ford, Marion Giaga. Uh, probably missing up his name. I'm sorry. Uh, this, guy, uh, this guy uh, spent 25 years at the Boston Consulting Group. So uh, no experience with uh, vehicles, uh, with automakers at all. He will be uh, the Model E's new chief customer officer. So he was going to be in charge of the go-to-market customer experience and new business initiative. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting job because there's with this split, there's the whole concern of like, okay, how are they going to approach the dealership situation, which has been a problem for them. Yeah, um, and that was my question. Like, all right, why are we announcing this to the public? Like, mm-hmm. it, what is it the dealership experience now going to look like? Is it going to be like a split? Like, you're going to have the Ford E side and you're going to have the Ford Blue side? Mm. And like, are the are the people on the Ford Blue side going to be like, Oh, you want an EV? Go over there. Yeah. Like, or are they going to be like, you don't want an EV? Come over here. You know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, how it, it works now. I guess it's going to be Marin's job to figure that out and make that work. <laughs> I thought that'd be him at all. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. It's going to be a weird scene for a little while there. Yeah. And uh, Kumar Galahota has been met, uh, the president of Ford Blue again. That's going to be the legacy highest division of the company. So, good luck to him. <laughs> He's been the head of uh, Ford North America. So, I mean, you guys have experience in that already. Uh, can we talk about the names real quick? Because uh, Ford Model E division. Yeah, that's weird. Like how? Like that's a business unit. Like it makes sense as a car. Like you, you see Ford Model E, you see a picture. This is obviously this is a Mustang Nike here, but you you think oh, maybe this this is a car? Ford Model E, Ford Model T. Uh, no, this is a business unit. Uh, it's 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 a brand. It's of. weird. It's weird I because mean, it's it, what it's weird is like a lot of people are saying that oh this is a slight at Tesla because or Elon Musk because Elon wanted to use the. For the not the Ford obviously, but the Model E branding for the Model Three, it wanted it to be the Tesla Model E, but uh, Ford had the trademark on it, even though it wasn't using it. So they challenged it. So yeah, if you're not using it, we're going to use it. Uh, they had the Model E trademark, and Ford blocked it. They said, "No, no, we, we're using it. We're using it," and uh, that's how they're using it. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. So like, what's the Mustang Mach-E going to be called? The Ford Model E Mach-E. Mustang, like, Ford, Mustang, Mustang, Mackie. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It, you're right. I, I think that's a really poor name. But again, I say brand, but at the same time, it looks like it's more going to be um, internal. The, these things, I like think, it's an internal right. division for the, the vehicle development and the, and the go to market, like uh, like we said. All right, we got a few more pieces of news that we're going to discuss in the next few minutes. But if you guys have questions, please put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to them in just a few minutes. If you can put them in all cap or put question in all cap before the question, that would be super helpful for us to uh, to get to them easier. So One more thing about the Ford yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. The CEO, uh, Jim Farley, uh, mentioned that they still expect so they used to say 40 percent of their vehicles would be electric by 2030 which you know obviously mm-hmm. we're like what uh that sounds really low uh he raised that to 50 percent, which we're still like mm-hmm. hey that sounds really low but uh it seems like they just keep going up every every announcement is like a higher percentage of evs a you know they just keep ratcheting it up and you know our theory behind that is that they, they know they have to sell you know, for five years or so, they have to sell internal combustion in cars. They don't want to say, hey, you know, at the end of the decade, we're not going to be selling anything, any of these, you know, pieces of garbage. So they have to keep saying that we're going to continue to always sell these things. But in reality, they're moving as fast as they can away from them. So every every announcement is a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, that, so, it, that's what's keep going to be like that. Like next year, it's going to be going to see 60% right. and so on and so on. There was another interesting piece of uh, Ford news this week is uh, with the the bi-directional charger, uh, home charger was unveiled or at least made 
about not really available, but they made on the website. So actually, we know the price and we know the specs and all the details. It's called the Ford Charge Station Pro. Few interesting thing about it. Yes, it's it's bidirectional, uh, which has been a big feature of uh, the Ford F one fifty Lightning. We know that there is a capacity to send back power to to everything, but also the home. But if you want to do that with your home, you're gonna have to have a bidirectional charger at the home, and you're also gonna have other equipment installed, another system to be able to monitor all that and uh, in, into your uh, home electric system. But we were wondering about the price because the, those are more expensive. And also, we were expecting a higher capacity charger to support a, a pickup truck, which has a bigger battery pack. And uh, uh, you could require or at least want the option for faster charging at home. I'm not talking about fast charging. I'm talking about faster level 2 charging, um, which most of them is a 40 amp. Uh, in this case, they made an 80 amp available. Uh, EDM charger are not uh, not necessarily cheap to start with, uh, so this one at the thirteen hundred dollars uh, is is not bad. It's a pretty good pricing, and then when you consider that it's also bidirectional, it's uh, it's a very good deal. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty good package. Yeah, like uh, it's like the best charging solution out there right mm-hmm. now. Um, well, it's not really out right now, and it kind of does a little bit of what the um, the wall box quasar purports to do mm-hmm. although you know that thing never really seems to mm-hmm. get get into people's hands um but you know this is kind of the future of charging like home charging yeah yeah uh, i agree with you it, it makes sense uh so it's a 80 amps max on the website they do mention the what you can expect in terms of miles per hour of charging uh 30 miles per hour of charging for the f-150 lightning extended range 19 miles for the F-150 standard range. So what that makes me think that, uh, I mean, I didn't look it up, but pretty much confirmed that you don't have, this is probably like a dual charger or a higher capacity charger on the extended range version and a yep. smaller one in the, in the other one because you should technically, if you're getting the same current in those two vehicles, you should get more miles per uh, range on the, uh, per hour on the, on the standard range version because you, uh, uh, you get more better efficiency out of that smaller battery pack, right? But yeah, the the capacity total capacity nine point six that you can return to your home, uh, so which is plenty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's my two. Uh, I just got two Powerwall installed. That's uh, that's what they, they get if you combine them together. It's about that. So mm-hmm. it's like having two Powerwalls at your home. Uh, but again, so thirteen hundred dollars is the price of the device itself. You have to have the installation done. Which uh, I mean, depending on where you are, like you, you can easily double the price. Sometimes you can get away with with less than that. But and that's just for a charger itself. Now, now, if you if you want to have the capacity to send back power, uh, I, I they they did they do say that you have to install um, what they call it gateway, the the Ford's home integration system. Uh, right. And the, the the they don't mention any pricing on that, but uh, the I think they want included like an installation cost. Uh, they have Sunrun as their partner for that, so the the they recommend that you do business with Sunrun, which also installed Tesla Powerwall. So they very used to the idea of like uh, having backup power for your home. Uh, it's just now that the backup power is connected to to your car uh, or your pickup in this in this case. So. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the first few quotes on that. How much it ends up costing, actually, if you want full installation for a bad directional capacity, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to cost you like four, four thousand total. Oh yeah, for sure. But that's Still a lot less then, than a power wall, though. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, last quick bit of news is about Lucid that uh, released their Q4 earnings this week. They announced that they delivered, <laughs> sorry, one hundred twenty-five. Hair uh, in 2021, which is in, in the fourth quarter, they started deliveries in the fourth quarter. Um, the did they see, I think they, they didn't say they delivered more so far. Uh, over 300 to date. So yeah, if you had uh, Q1, which is uh, ending this uh, this month, they uh, they already had over 300. So they they should at least double their deliveries from Q4 last year over Q1 this year. But uh, the bad news and what sent the stock crashing um, is uh, that they reduced their 
guideline or the guidance for for this year from twenty thousand units to twelve to 12, between twelve and fourteen thousand units, which uh, which is still pretty good in my opinion. To be honest, like it's not uh, not a bad ramp up to uh, have the first full year of production around twelve fourteen for a luxury sedan. Yeah, I mean so, that's kind of similar to what the Model S did first. Couple yeah, of years. yeah, yeah. It's a similar ramp up as that for sure. A few other pieces of information. So on Q4 revenue was 26 million. Uh, 21 came from the Air Dream Edition balance sheet. They still have over 6.2 billion dollars in cash on hand at the end of 2021. So they're they're not doing bad on that front. They probably don't need to raise more capital anytime soon. Uh, customer reservation for the Air sedan has surpassed 25,000. That's a uh, that's Solid. a good amount. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's competitive in the segment. Like this is a. Uh, a luxury sedan again. Um, yep, that's uh, that, that's the bulk of it. Uh, of course, there was a few other announcements about about Lucid. They are uh, following their financial partner uh, in Saudi Arabia to uh, to actually build a factory there. So we'll keep an eye on that project. But uh, interesting, an oil uh, an oil country going to start producing electric cars. Going to be a- yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> we'll take it. Yep. All right. Let's dive into the comments real quick. All right. Uh, first one is, do any of you know if any work is done to make an adapter to charge a Chatamo car on a CCS site? Uh, I'm sure that's something Nissan would love to know. Uh, right now, I don't think there is uh, such a thing, and it's probably not uh, very simple. Um, yeah, especially since uh, so that, that would be like a... <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, for the most part, for a long time at least, there's most of the fast charging stations that had both Chademo and NCCS on them, so there was there wasn't really a need for an adapter like that. And then CCS just took over, <laughs> so yeah. now no, in, only <clears throat> Nissan existed with the Chademo, so no one really bothered to develop something like that. I don't think that's going to exist, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame. All right, uh, Green Gold Panasonic is rumored to be building another battery factory for Tesla in Oklahoma. We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, question: I was a lucky Canadian that got an invite for FSD beta last Saturday. I have a hundred percent safety score so far. Congratulations there. Yeah. Do you know how long we need to wait to get FSD beta? I mean, if we um, if we look at what it was for 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 other for uh, previous uh, the, the the program rollout in the US it should be pretty quick if you have 100%. I'm at 96 right now. I'm not the one driving my car. Uh <laughs> but uh, I do, I did receive the invite too. Uh but uh if I'm still in Mexico and a friend is driving my car in Canada right now and I I keep I tell him like yeah, come slow dude, down. Yeah, you have to slow down dude. <laughs> no, 96 is pretty good actually. <laughs> Probably yeah. better than I, than I would better be doing. Me. Uh, what's uh bad? The heartbreaking at one point five percent. Like you know, so Tesla doesn't like that he breaks a little bit too hard. One point five percent of the time. I mean, this is uh this is Canada. Like there's there's still a ton of heist right now in Quebec. Like it's uh, it's no joke. And four point one percent unsafe following. Like, not sure what they consider unsafe. Daily details. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Yeah, hopefully we get that uh, soon. There's a safety score simulator. Is that new? Yeah. I can't remember if that's new. I kind of gave up on the old safety score. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking at mine right now. 94. Crap. Yeah, I'd I'd gotten up to 95 or 96 at one point. But there's like a couple bad days. I don't know if you guys can see that, but. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'll never have FSD. Oh, well. All right. Moving on. Uh, when do you think we'll see truly affordable BEVs sub 30,000? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a, uh, you know, Hyundai Ionic, the original one, or a, you know, a Nissan Leaf base model or a used Chevy Bolt, uh, you can get them under $30,000 right now. Even a new Chevy Bolt, I think, is pretty close to 30000 after the rebates. Um, but I think he's probably thinking, or she is thinking that, you know, we're talking about a 200-plus mile vehicle for under 30000 What do you think? Anything coming? Uh, 
I don't think that uh, it's going to work like that. I don't, I don't. It's not a priority. Like they, uh, right. they don't. They, they go from the hub market down market. That's just that's just how it works. And uh, since the, like if there was a limited limited production capacity, like, yes, for sure, like there would be a bigger race to to produce those cars. But fortunately, that's not the case. Uh, I was excited for a used car market, uh, EV market to 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 start being more competitive with uh, like more more large volume of cars coming off leases and things like that. But uh, of course, that's <laughs> not that's not the what's happening right now. The used car market's crazy right now. Yeah, the used car market is just wild. So it's not it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Mary Barra said the the Equinox is going to be about thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. So that'll be something. Yeah, um, and who knows what you know? China might sneak a few uh, low low cost cars in at some point here soon. Uh, so yeah, Green Gold also reminds us about the Equinox. Yeah. Um, so another uh, listener asked, I wonder if Rivian is reacting to the Cybertruck delays and unclear pricing. I don't. No. I don't think so. No. They're reacting to looking at their balance sheet, but not yep. balance sheets right now. But their production numbers and uh, gross margin on those vehicles, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we it's could, probably uh, we would probably gonna be negative we, margin for a yeah. year. Or so, um, and then we lost you for a little bit. So yeah. uh, that was funny. Um, yeah. Moving on, uh, what's the path to profitability for charging networks? So we're talking about that's a very good question. Actually, yeah. that's a very good question. Cause, EVgo, because uh, they're not they're not there yet. Uh, ChargePoint, no. EVgo's uh, the um, what what other ones are there out there? Uh, but uh, there's like Shell Green Lots, which is actually kind of the up and comer right now. Yeah, um, I there's saw a, like Electrify America too, but uh, they're not they're not public, so we don't know the details really. And and Electrify America is in a very unique position to uh, mm-hmm. the, because of, of the because the way they started. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a concern for sure because the the fact that they focus on that at the same time creates a worse experience and create like a very like gradual way to deploy the system that really try to match as possible with the growth of EVs. Hard thing to do. Uh, I I think it's gonna be. And also, it's getting competitive too. So that, that's that, that's the interesting part. I, I think we're gonna have uh, a, a large scale approach to like. There's gonna be a lot of people buying each other in, in that in that market right. and trying to leverage economies of scales. And it's it's all like from what I'm hearing from like some inside baseball on the on, in, in the EV charging industry, like people they don't care about the hardware anymore. Like. Uh, but your family is a good example. Like they don't build the hardware; they 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 use uh, suppliers. But like it, it, there's not a lot of competitive advantage in the hardware. Uh, there's there's a few leaders like you know Tritium that like has been pushing the higher and higher output and, and and things like that. But the for the most part, it's not where it happens. It, it's a software thing now. Like the all the companies want to own the software that operates, maintain data, all everything around the networks. Um, that that's that's where the money is right now. So, I, I think I think that we're gonna see people use that information, and those that use it the best are gonna uh, start making money because they're gonna have a good idea of the charging habits of the people and the uh, of the fleet, and uh, and there's definitely gonna be money in that. Not as much money as selling petrol, like that's that's for sure. Because, because uh, I don't think the gas stations make much much money on the pet- petrol. I think they yeah kind of subsidize that, and they make money on like you know you're buying garbage in the yeah. Uh, but stores. I meant I meant as a, like as dis- distribution. Like, oh, right. ev- everything that has to do with distributing petrol is not going to be. It's not the same as distributing electricity to to a charging network because you're not unless you're making electricity. So like unless like you have actual like solar connected to it and everything, but. And, and I've seen a growth in those products, like those, uh, like all-in-one deployable unit of like solar battery and charging. Uh, I've seen this one recently. I, I think it's only a concept. I don't think it's a prototype. It's really cool. It's just it, it you deploy basically um, a wind turbine that also has a solar canopy and batteries in it and chargers all around it. So you just deploy that in a parking lot, and then you have automatically like I don't know, I don't know how many parking spot around it. 
that uh, can charge simultaneously. And the, the whole thing is, is, is just it. It's produced. It's all electricity, store it, distribute it at the same time. Maybe uh, something like that could, could make sense. But uh, right now, it's more like, oh, yeah, you have charging network, a charging station manufacturer, charging station network operator, and they work with electric utility to distribute their power. So it's, it's like people trying to make fried pennies on top of pennies. Like it's not. Yeah, it's I mean, I, th- I agree with you. I think they need to kind of think about the business mm-hmm. model. Like one part of it is just like the gas companies, they have to kind of like get subsidized by, um, you know, a convenience store with an electric charging station, you have a little bit more time and you have a little bit more affluent people. So theoretically, like, you know, nice shopping centers should should be kind of begging for these things. Um, as That's far how as- That's how Tesla managed to reduce the cost of the supercharger network. Like they were telling people like, yeah, we're going to bring you like customers that have some money to spend and some time there. So yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, like you said, um, you know, making deals, getting some subsidies, um, building, uh, you know, a battery, maybe you can uh, make a deal with like the energy companies and say, Hey, look, we're going to have a battery here. We're going to have our mm-hmm. own thing. Um, kind of shaving off those demand charges. They just have to do a lot of like little things. Um, I also think like you'd kind of need to simplify the whole experience. Like, you, you know, you just look at Tesla and you know, you plug it in and that's it. These other companies like electrify America need to just go to plug and charge and say, Hey, look, you know, car companies, if you want to use our network, you got to do plug and charge. And then you don't need the screen. You don't need anything. You just go walk, you know, you drive up to the thing, you plug your car in and it starts charging. You know, Mustangs, Porsches do that right now. Rivian will do that. Some other uh, of the companies will do that. That simplifies the the product. You don't have to deal with any of the, you know, the, the BS on the front end. It makes the, the stations a lot cheaper. So they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's fair to say. All right, boss fan, why is Panasonic building a new factory instead of using Giga Nevada? Another good question. Yeah, um, yeah, I I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Don't quote me, but I would assume that Panasonic might be maxed out at uh, Giga Factory Nevada. So like the, the, the people always say, like, hey, it's just 30 percent of the entire plant building that's there and everything. Yeah, but I think a lot of that was supposed to be Tesla uh, in the future, and and the Panasonic part was already like built in, and uh, they, they maxed it out. So for, like Tesla would need to grow the factory again and, and lease or give part of the factory to to, to Panasonic. So uh, maybe they just they want their own thing. <laughs> I, I don't know how Panasonic feels about Gigafactory Nevada. Like I, I'm sure they're happy. Like it, it started, it's making money for for them now, and like it's it's, it's a big business and everything. But for a long time, like there was people like saying, like, "This is Panasonic Gigafactory Nevada. It's not Tesla Gigafactory Nevada. Like we right. are making the." Of course, since then, Tesla started producing a lot of things there too, with uh, drivetrains and uh, and uh, power walls and whatnot. But uh, still, maybe it's kind of interesting that it installed out on size. Like they were going to build a whole, you know, rectangle, and they kind of mm-hmm. just made an L and they they stopped there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's weird. It's weird. I I think. Um, uh, Roll of twenty makes a good point that uh, they can't hire any more people in the area. Like Reno's yeah. kind of running out of people to to run that place. So maybe yeah, that's, that's why concern, yeah. why uh, Panasonic's thinking about Kansas or Oklahoma. Plenty of people out there uh, to do uh, the work, and you know maybe raw materials as well. I don't know. Uh, you know maybe uh, having batteries near Texas would be a good idea. I don't know. All right, Green Gold. Jim Cramer said he would take Ford over Tesla. Uh, Why did you listen to anything Jim Cramer said? The, <laughs> right. guy, the guy is an entertainer. He's not like a, he's not an expert in anything, too. Yeah, he's, not, like, and he's kind of busted a few times being shady. So, oh yeah, well yeah, well, that's <laughs> that, that too. But who hasn't in the financial world? <laughs> right. But my point is, like, if you want to, I'm not, and of course, I'm not patting myself on the back and ourself here. Like, check, like, we, that's all we do. Like, we all talk about electric cars. We, we, we all say, Jim Cramer, like, he covers everything and he covers everything when, it, when it's hot and everything. So it's not, I don't, I don't think you should listen to him when it comes to electric vehicle investment. Not that you should listen to us either, but like, you should factor in probably what we say. And then make your own due diligence and whatnot. But 
I wouldn't even factor in what Jim Cramer is yelling about on the yeah, Monday he's, morning. He's, supposed, he's there for entertainment. Yeah. He's not there for financial yeah. advice. And I think sure. it probably says that on his <laughs> website. <laughs> on the disclosure. Whatever. Right. All right. And then that is pretty much it. All right. Well, that was a good show this week. I uh, appreciate everyone that's still listening an hour, six minute in. Uh, we apologize for a little technical difficulty. I uh, will blame it on my Mexican internet, even though I really can because it's been it's been pretty great. <laughs> um, and uh, so if you did like the show, please give us a thumbs up. It's uh, very appreciated. Uh, if you're uh, listening on your podcast app, you can give us a five-star review. Those are always super helpful and they're free to do. Uh, and uh, we're going to see you same place, same times next week. Have a good one.